BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Lawn Order Marathon winner is Kamala Lim of Fresno, California. Kamala will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawnorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Brandy Brown. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at The Mothership, Season 12, Episode 1, Who Let the Dogs Out? Oh, I'd hate to think this was anything but an accident. Someone sticking the dog on another person like that? In this town, you never know. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. Thank you for having me on the program. I'm contractually obligated, (laughs) I think, to have you on. By me. Yes. yes. (laughs) And rounding out our panel is our special returning guest, comedian Brandy Brown. Hello, Brandy. Hi, hello, hello. So, Brandy, uh, Anthony Anderson will not be returning for season 22 of Law & Order. He wanted to help relaunch the 2022 version. Uh, Kevin Bernard, a cop who catches the killers but isn't afraid to gripe about the way the profession treats people of color. Is that too fine a needle to thread for a fictional character? I mean, at this point, I, I haven't even really watched the new Law and Orders. I think I can, like, mm-hmm. I'm just now, I live in Minneapolis, which should <laughs> give some context here for especially why I'm, like, very, <laughs> very sensitive about it. I'm black. Uh, that Also, I f- forgot that there's no video. I'm a black woman who lives in Minneapolis, so, you know, I've been going through it. So I haven't watched the new iterations. I've just been, I've been, like, just silently in prayer that Law and Order Hate Crimes is never made. Uh, but <laughs> about, that's like about it. And I'm just now occasionally watching the old versions, but like I, I haven't seen it. So is he quitting by like quitting the force being like, I've had it with this. Racism? I hope so. I, I don't like, know. I think I don't know. We'll, we'll find out in September when they address the fact that, I don't know, Michael Imperioli or some other who knows will be Listen, taking that spot across from uh, Jeffrey Donovan. This season has made me very uncomfortable. You heard me. Like, I, even when you've been watching it, like, I've been in the kitchen. I've uh-huh. been like, I don't like that. I don't like, the, <laughs> I don't like the way that sounds. Having him go from blackish to this show is deeply uncomfortable. It is like, it, I have had so many cringy moments having him had to be, have to be in scenes where police behave the way police behave. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how possibly could Anthony Anderson be happy with this job? I mean, I think he probably also just needed that 
stopgap money between Blackish and <laughs> How is that possible? He's on like six shows all at once. <laughs> and to tell the truth, his mother's got more network time than most of those than Dick Wolf does. I mean, look, he, like there's a point where he's been living at such a high standard that he's like, I got to make sure all my bases are covered. And maybe he just wants to actually take some time off after all this. So he's just putting a little bit of money away. I don't know his life. Mm. <laughs> I'm just speculating. Brandy, of all the franchises, remind us, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Oh, I think I'm a, I'm more of a criminal intent, Goran and Eames person. Mm. I think I changed, I think I said like several, I like Goran and Eames, but I also, I mean, Briscoe and Green. Yeah, Goran and Eames, I, I don't know. I, I, I prefer criminal intent. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just like the puzzle nature and the riddle nature of it and like the. Yeah. It's less like weird twists and turns. Yeah. Do you think they're a brother and sister uh, or are they someday to be great lovers? I don't think they are. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think it's strictly platonic. I think they have like a very sibling, like I love you like a sibling, but like they would not be, a, they'd be a terrible couple. And you would be terrible at writing fan fiction for that show, apparently. Is there fan fiction where they're- Of co- course oh, there is. There's, of course there's fan oh, fiction. Oh, God. All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, Law & Order Season 12, Episode 1, Who Let the Dogs Out? Call the police, says the jogger. Briscoe and Green learn a woman and her small dog were mauled to death in the park by a vicious dog who then vanished into the Elysian fields of Gotham. Thorax ripped open, larynx crushed. Then Cujo proceeded to rip her apart like a rag doll. Both arms were severed, one of her legs... Jane Doe and her four-legged companion were definitely done in by one very strong, very savage animal. Your woman at the scene thought it might have been a werewolf. The detectives learned the woman was English teacher Sandy Meekin. Her fiancé says she'll take the terrier on a dog run in the park, and there's always trouble to dog run because they're all bitches. <laughs> Ed and Lenny get the call that the missing dog just attacked two more people, and animal control cannot get those little sticks with the loops around the dog's neck. The pit bull's microchip leads them to the breeder, who says he was sold to a guard dog company. When the cops raid the place, they find seven euthanized dogs and evidence they were being trained to fight. Briscoe and Green find the guy who transports the dogs who leads them to a veterinarian with a gambling addiction who's been giving medical care to the animals. He points the detectives to Ralph Carson. At the home, they find the drugs used to euthanize the dogs and a pit where the dogs would fight to the death. Okay, we open with a traffic cop writing somebody a ticket as the jogger emerges from the park. Mm-hmm. Read the signs. I've read them. I just can't understand them. And then without giving any other details, she just runs back into the park. (laughs) Why? Well, what's the problem? (laughs) She had to get those miles in. She's like, no, this is, I gotta, I gotta close the loops on my Apple watch or whatever the prehistoric (laughs) Apple watch. I've been drawing something with my, uh, my trail. (laughs) Like that lady who draws the dicks as she runs. (laughs) I mean, all I know is that if I had come across a body that was obviously mauled, yeah. running back toward it might not be the thing that yeah. I would do. Yeah. It's like, hey, no, there's a cop right here. It's like, call the police. I am the police. No, the real police. <laughs> not, not the, the traffic the ticket police. <laughs> 
By the way, they've done all kinds of crime scenes, and when Green goes over to look at the body, he gives it a... Oh, man. Yeah, we don't even see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like gnarly. Bobby Orr would have just sniffed it and be like, that smells like a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Gorin definitely died of COVID. Like, Bobby Gorin definitely died of COVID. Yeah. Early on, because he was just he like touching bodies, yeah. like licking yeah. everything. Just oh man, he does not wash his groceries. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird time that was. So wow. we see this scene with Rogers, right? Yeah, and she says that this dog ripped off the victim's arms and one of her legs, in addition to ripping her throat out. And then there's a line of like, "Did someone report the dog missing?" I'm like. Who would have reported that dog missing? Yeah. <laughs> Be like, good riddance. <laughs> dog that ripped off arms and legs. That was my first thought. But also, that's like not an easy way for a dog. I mean, imagine, just the visual. No wonder he was like, ew. Yeah, no wonder the jogger was like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, it seems like, I don't know. I'm not well-versed on dog attacks. I know that they dogs have and they frequently kill people. But like, I feel like that is like a really excessive, like once it, like, I don't know. It just seems like all of those body parts, like the dog would have just like eventually like gone after someone else or mm. like, I don't yeah. know. It just seems like really like, like that seems like an, like, was that a dog or like an animal escaped from the Bronx Zoo and was eating? Like, that's like a lot. <laughs> a dog is doing too much is what I'm saying. For a mad dog like that, Central Park's got to be like a buffet. Yeah. And so yeah. I don't know why you would just keep going back for the salad, right? When you could... Just, you know, hit that end of the the bar where they keep, like, the, the king crab and all the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's so, so many women. They've all got little dogs, and they're all nasty. Yeah, and they're that's the nasty. other thing about the woman who was running back. Like, if I saw, like, a dog attack someone, I didn't know where the dog went. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to get out of this park. I'm going to get into a cab, go inside somewhere. Like, I'm not running back in there unless I drop something. <laughs> uh, when they finally find the pit bull running free in Central Park... Uh, they try to corner it, and I don't know how much they were trying to sweeten the sound effects, but he straight up sounds like the Tasmanian devil. Great dog actor. <laughs> oh, they were clearly, like, I was obsessed with watching this. Like, they definitely sweetened it, because I was like, I wonder how they actually, for some reason, I was very hyper-focused on, like, well, how do they actually film, like, like attack dog scenes? Like, they have to do it humanely. And if you yeah. watch it, the dog is clearly, like, if you watch it with the sound off, or you just ignore the sound, the dog is clearly, like, playing, like, the way that a dog would play, like, one of those, like, little rug knot toys. And then you look at it, and they're like, clearly the dog is doing, like, like dog panting when it's doing adorable stuff. And then you hear, it, like, it's so sweetened. Like, go back and watch that. It's fascinating. Well, you find it sweet. I think, you know, and it is a trained animal in a control environment, but this is the scariest fucking thing that's ever been on NBC as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. This dog just kind of, and, and the, the guys are there like with the sticks. It's like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Like, this dog is going to, you just got to bite your ankles and you're fucking done. <laughs> you are out. <laughs> I would rather watch Lewis take Benson to Red Lobster any day of the week than see this Cujo snarl. I just kept like, okay, so I immediately was like, who was the dog actor? The dog actor. <laughs> because these are all obviously like acting the dogs. The role of King is played exactly. by Rex. These yeah. are acting dogs. These are dogs that were trained for this part. So this is like a specialty dog that was trained to act or to look like it's acting vicious, right? Mm -hmm. Good job. I thought it was a good job. Nicely done. I think it was a good job. 
I actually also would like to shout out the handlers because they probably were like their actual train. Because if you, again, the thing they're doing with the stick is not like, I've seen like animal control try to get like an actual like freaking out dog. And like, yeah. they're clearly like playing with the dog at the same time as they're making it look like they're trying to get the dog and like safely getting it into the thing. So it's just like a, like a good job by the, the handlers too. They sold it. Yeah, they absolutely sold it. So uh, they did the DNA test. Turns out it's 100% that bitch. <laughs> it's a boy. Oh, well. Come on. Good joke, but it's a boy dog. They did these bite mark tests to see <laughs> if this was the actual, you know, killer dog. Can you imagine trying to get a bite mole from that thing? Like, open I, up. I think it's pretty easy. I think they just, like, throw some, like, I don't know, clay in there or some molding clay that's, like, or they just, actually, they probably just knock it out and then just. Do it like when you do a cleaning for a dog. Yeah. They throw anything in there and that dog was going to yeah. bite it. Well, also if you just throw some, yeah, just throw some clay, clay in there, it'll just bite it and you'll be like, all right, we'll just be back later to get it out. Well, I was getting it back before it rips everybody's <laughs> arms off, right? <laughs> All right, let's talk about our cast. We have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Who is the actress playing attorney Sherry Quinn? I'm not sure our relationship with Danny Miller is any of your business. Presumably, you've both heard of attorney-client privilege. That's Oscar winner Melissa Leo. Yes. For Law & Order appearances, she won an Oscar and a Golden Globe for The Fighter. After campaigning for it. After campaigning. Remember that? (laughs) I don't recall that. She did a very aggressive Oscar campaign for it. it was a big deal. People were like, like, you're bringing shame to the... No, she was just like, I want that award. I'm going to get that award. (laughs) Exactly. She got the award. She did it right. Uh, She used to play Detective Kay Howard on NBC's Homicide, along with Richard Belzer, our friend... Detective Munch. Kay was originally the only female character in that detective squad. In about the fourth season, this is 1996, uh, she was promoted to sergeant and started dressing more masculine with jackets and neckties and stopped talking about the men that she was dating. Now, the writers say that she wasn't a lesbian, but they knew the character was popular in queer culture. She's definitely more of a lesbian than Serena Sutherland, though, right? Um, in that show? Yeah. In, that, in that universe? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Is this because I'm a lesbian? 100%. She just starred in a thriller called Measure of Revenge, a movie so bad, not only did the director use an alias, but the screenwriter, too. <laughs> Guys, you made this shit. What are you, why are you hiding? <laughs> just step up and own it. <laughs> <laughs> we have some repeat offenders. Repeat offender. We've got Tom O'Rourke returning as the defense attorney, Peter Behrens. He threatened him with a lethal injection, Your Honor. And we have the first appearance of Andrea Novato. Lieutenant, looks like we might have caught a break. As Detective Anna Cordova. Remember, she's the new female Profaci. Oh, Profaci. Yep. And we have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, It's that guy. Did you get a good look at Rich Porter, the victim's fiance? Mm, no. I left work as soon as I found out. Came straight home. His part of me still expected her to be here. Who dies this way? That actor is Kelly O'Coin, six Law and Order Universe appearances. He gets the trifecta. He was recently playing Dollar Bill on Billions. And he was the main detective oh. in The Girl from Plainville. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, and Rebecca, you will probably remember him as Pastor Tim in The Americans, in which he had this incredible wig. Yes, I remember Pastor Tim. He's the one who sort of like had, knew the secret. 
He knew. He, he knew they were knew spies because the daughter yes. told them. Oh, my God, what a great character that was. Yeah. His first TV appearance was in a campaign ad for his father, Congressman Les O'Coin. In the ad, he complained how cheap his dad was. <laughs> Les O'Coin, though, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Les O'Coin. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, Dollar Bill plays O'Coin? <laughs> incredible. <laughs> By the way, his cameo is now up to $300. Wow. The f- who's paying $300 for billions watchers? Million, I guess. Yeah. Even though, like, why is that show still on? Axelrod is gone. Like, <laughs> I think that's more than Scaramucci's cameos cost. <laughs> <laughs> the people on cameo. So can you name the guy playing Al Manos, the owner of Nitro, the uh, Rottweiler? What's this about? Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, wait one minute, all right? Hold on. Nitro, in the room, in the room. Good going. That guy's Brian Tarantina. Uh, he was Bootsy on Gilmore Girls mm. and played Jackie, the club owner, on The Marvelous Ms. Maisel. Uh, he died of a heart condition in 2019. I would assume that a female comedian like yourself, Brandy, would be a fan of that show. Marvelous. No, I don't like nope. that. Yeah, okay. I don't watch uh, it. I, was... no. <laughs> I love hacks, though. I love hacks. But I also yes. just typically, I don't watch a lot of stand-up. People are like, oh, you don't want to get confused? I'm like, no, I just don't want to watch my job. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love hacks. I love hacks. <laughs> Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I don't know. If I wanted to see Tony Shalhoub, I'll just watch Monk all day. I'm a huge yeah. Tony yeah. Shalhoub fan, but... Do you guys know the actor playing Ralph, the guy who ran that dog fighting ring? Nope. His name's Danny Miller. The whole damn dog business is his idea. He's the one who told me to shut the place down, you know, after the lady got killed. Uh, Ralph is played by Joel Marsh Garland. He was Scott O'Neill in Orange is the New Black, the kind prison guard as opposed to Porn Stash, mm. who was played by... Pablo Schreiber. Yes. Did you spot who was playing the trial judge? No. They've spent most of their time trying to convince the jury the victim caused her own death. That is the late Robert Hogan. He had supporting roles in a bunch of classic 60s and 70s shows like MASH and the Rockford Files. He, uh, the lead character in Hogan's Heroes is named after him. Really? He's get, yeah. That's interesting. They named a, ca- a character after an actor? Yeah, the writer was like his good friend, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know. Sort of like Tony on Who's the Boss? It's kind of like how they <laughs> how they named Scully after Vince Scully, okay. the L.A. Dodgers announcer. Briscoe's replacement, Fontana, uh, was named after Tom Fontana, who was the creator of uh, Homicide. Okay. You know, so there's a little of that, you know. Winking, nodding. Winking. You know, I don't know who Munch is actually named after. But <laughs> Do we want to know? You don't want to know. <laughs> By the way, speaking of names, does anyone know the name of the actor playing the uniformed cop who walks them through the, the, Jesus, the scene in the beginning? Kevin, this, this, is show, this episode is like, I knew no one in this episode. As soon as we Me got to the segment, I was like, I don't know any of these people. Well, that actor's name is Kevin J. Flynn. Oh. Jogger tripped over the body around quarter to seven. Yeah, not Kevin Flynn. Kevin J. Flynn. Congratulations. Professionally, thank you. He is a professional soccer player and the host of Discovery Channel's Go For It. Hmm. In that extreme sports show, he swam with sharks, climbed mountains, and jumped out of planes. I'd like to note that this Kevin Flynn cries when he sees bumblebees. <laughs> True. So the microchip in the pit bull's ear leads them to a seemingly reputable breeder who says, hey, the dog was sweet. He was bred that way. I run a legitimate breeding business, and I sold five dogs to a guy in a blue pickup truck filled with blood. <laughs> also, you know how you know you know how you, you know he does not run a legitimate breeding business because he's got like every kind of dog in the world there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that is a puppy mill. 
A legitimate breeder does not breed German Shepherds and Rottweilers and Pit Bulls and every other. In the background, there was like somebody running like a Border Collie in the background <laughs> of the shot. That is not like how breeders work. It and is a not, Westie. It's not like every kind of dog at like some colonial house in Sag Harbor. That is not I what dog like, breeders are like. I feel like that was Bring Your Pet to Work Day on the Son of Law yeah. Order. And they were just like, all right, everyone, your dog gets to be on this episode. And there's probably just like a shivering chihuahua somewhere in the back. It's like, yeah. no, this is a bridge too far. It's like one of those Walmart distribution centers where it's just whole areas of, okay, all the toy dogs go over here. <laughs> So Green has a very peculiar line. Uh, he went into the establishment known as Pound Partners. By the way, Serena Sutherland's favorite bar is also called Pound Partners. It is uh, not. No, it is not. <laughs> Green said, Damn, it's like an S&M club for canines. So what's your safe word, Rex? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, and they're bringing out the bodies of the dead canines and trash bags, and Briscoe goes, Gives a whole new meaning to the term doggy bags. Oh, God. Oh, really, Lenny? <laughs> Come on, man. It's not cool. I will give them credit for making those dogs obviously look fake. They looked so obviously fake. There was nothing about those dead dogs that looked even a little bit real. So much so. That, no, that would be a really good dog actor. Not the one snarling, <laughs> but if they could just lie still. Well, I, I was on watching, top of one another. I was watching this episode with our son, who cannot, like like me, bear the sight of a harmed animal. And they open the door, and he's like, oh, God, there's going to be dead dogs. There's going to be dead dogs. And he's like... Those are stuffed dogs. I'm like, they're totally stuffed dogs. Thank God. <laughs> so they strong arm the vet who'd been treating the dogs, and they ask, what drug does he use to euthanize the dogs? What kind of drug do you use to put a dog down? Sodium phenobarbital? And it should surprise no one that that is not the right drug. It is not? It is not the right drug. Uh, sodium phenobarbital is a seizure drug. Sodium pentobarbital <laughs> is often used... <laughs> Actually, I'm just being shitty. Both seizure drugs are similar in a high dosage is often used to put dogs to sleep. Oh, okay. Uh, but when they raid Ralph's house, he's got vials for phenobarbital everywhere. Hmm. How many more dogs does he think he has to kill? All of them. All the dogs. Well, isn't it like after a dog fight? Like some do sometimes a dog is so badly injured that they put it down. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be gruesome, yeah. but isn't that right? Here's the weird thing about that. Like, a humanely putting down a dog, you dog, just shoot the dog. Like, I don't like I'm not saying shoot dog, but it's so, it's so weird that they're like, we're going to humanely put this dog down after we did the worst thing to exactly. it pro that caused it to be injured. So just for your information, phenobarbital, 60 tablets for seizures or insomnia, $44 at Rite Aid. Hmm. Pentobarbital for a 20 milliliter liquid supply costs $1,244. Okay. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. 
Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. In custody, Ralph tells Briscoe and Green the operation is run by Danny Miller, who gave the order to put down the remaining dogs after Sandy was killed. McCoy learns that Miller is running an attack dog business while he's behind bars in Attica. According to Carson, Miller runs the whole show from a prison cell. Apparently, selling attack dogs to ex-cons for dog fights is a pretty good business. What's Miller in for? Multiple homicides. And Carson claims Miller knows who had the dog that attacked this woman in the park? That's his story. Crockpot simmering lesbian Serena Sutherland <laughs> learns the only people in regular touch with Miller are his attorney, Sherry Quinn, and her husband, Roger. They insist they only pass messages and aren't involved in the dog breeding. But might they have kept one of the dogs for protection? The detectives search their home for evidence of a dog and find the furniture has been chewed up. Elementary, my dear Watson, book them. McCoy tells interim DA Nora Lewin that they're going to charge the couple with murder because they should have known their dog was vicious. At trial, an expert says that this pit bull is dangerously aggressive, but Sherry Quinn testifies that King, that's his name, King, is a gentle pup who wouldn't hurt a fly. That's when McCoy brings the snarling, spastic dog into court and asks the defendant to pet him. The judge has seen enough and suggests McCoy makes a deal. The Quins get two to six years in prison, and the pit bull is put to sleep. Hmm. Now, I want to note that this episode was pushed to late September 2001 because of the 9-11 attacks. If you watch it in syndication, it begins with the usual prologue, but for this episode, uh, the narration was different. Everything was delayed. This is the That's first a, episode This is the first episode yeah. of the season, first episode back, and the first episode after 9-11, and it said, uh, on September 11, 2001, New York City was ruthlessly and criminally attacked. Uh, while no tribute can ever heal the pain of that day, the producers of Law & Order dedicate the season to the victims and their families and to the firefighters and police officers who remind us with their lives and courage what it truly means to be an American. And then it cut immediately to a cop writing a ticket. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. By the way, this is also the first episode with sleeper cell lesbian Serena Sutherland. <laughs> yes. Is this because I'm a lesbian? No, she's not, not a lesbian. Uh, does anybody feel like she's already laying the groundwork for a wrongful termination suit? No. No, because she's not a lesbian. Well, because she's, well, so first of all, she wasn't fired because she was a lesbian. Was, and she also wasn't a lesbian before she said she was a lesbian. Anyone listening to this episode has never listened before and thinks that Kevin is discriminating against lesbians with all these jokes. He is not. No. Nobody finds this funnier than lesbians. He's discriminating against the writers who made up the fact that she was a lesbian in the the final episode. It was the craziest retcon that does. (laughs) There was like one episode. There was one episode where she was like kind of alluding to it, maybe, but like it could have gone either way. Like, are you talking about yourself? But like only in hindsight would you ever be like, oh, yeah, yeah, because she was. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to make a, a progressive statement about, you know, a, a lesbian character in prime time. The time to do it is not as she's walking out the door. Exactly. That was just that, that was just unfair. Like they could have she could have come out and done something or what, you know, been a presence as opposed to being a there twist. could have been a scene at home with her partner or Does something. That, yes. Does that qualify under the barrier gaze trope? Because it kind of like they didn't kill her off. Yes. But, uh, it kind of does. Yeah. It kind of does. Yeah. They kind of buried that gay. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> of course. 
if you because I, I guess you're right because if you think anyway that you're out as a lesbian and you get fired then yeah you've been summarily dispatched right somehow they get a warrant for attorney sherry quinn's phone records and then a search warrant for her home to look for evidence of a dog <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, they really gloss over a lot of violations there where she was like, you pulled my phone records. They're like, it is what it is. You're like, wait, no, you can't do that. Well, you know, it is, you know, it's really just for a dog Mm -hmm. looking for later. Briscoe and Green go back to McCoy. Like, well, what did you get? Well, someone had chewed up the chair leg. So we put the cuffs on them immediately. Yes. They're like, did you find anything else? Blood, DNA, fucking milk bone? No, someone chewed. Okay, we'll go to trial then. Can we back up to the fact that this guy is serving life sentences in prison and is still running a business of dog? Like, why? What? What is yeah. his plan? That's that was my question. He has nothing to lose, right? So he's like, I have nothing to lose, right? Like, I'm not going to tell you anything. And what, what are you going to do? Put me in prison? And I'm like, then why are you running a fucking business? Like, what do you hope to gain? <laughs> I had the same question. How many cigarettes can he possibly <laughs> yeah, purchase? Like what, you know? like, what is he? I mean, I don't know why someone on the outside isn't running this like somebody like he just like how long has he been running a and they know he's running a business out of prison that's so weird it's such a it's not even like a drug empire where it's like okay people use drugs in prison like you could run it's a dog fighting ring they can't come to your job like nobody is bringing the dog to the prison i mean they do have like nice little training programs for like assist dogs and guide dogs in prison but that's not what this is he can't even watch yeah. If it's his kink or whatever. You can't even watch it. If it's his yeah. kink. Well, it seems like it'd be a really easy job to cut him out of. Exactly. Out of that business plan. Exactly. I mean, if if Mark Zuckerberg could cut out like all the other guys that like started Facebook with him, I think it'd be pretty easy to cut out the guy who is just in jail. Mm-hmm. But who's cutting him the checks? Like who's cutting the attorneys <laughs> the checks? Like I just have logistical issues all over the place. Yeah. He's just paying in smokes. You know that. Right? <laughs> Stamps. Stamps. Yeah. <laughs> So Quinn's defense attorney suggests that the reason the pit bull might have attacked Sandy was because of, quote, her scent. Yeah. We have no idea what caused this attack, whether this woman did something, whether it was her own dog that provoked it. Her scent, her perfume. Your Honor. Are they implying that the dog smelled her period and attacked her like a shark? She had it coming. I, <laughs> I think it was because the dog was probably annoyed by the Jack Russell Terrier and just and she tried to fight the dog for getting her dog and it probably just escalated from there. That's how they always happen. Did you guys see the photo they showed of the woman in the dog run of Sandy? No. Okay, they showed a photo of Sandy and a dog. Yeah, that was not a fucking Jack Russell Terrier. Uh, that, that was a that was a big dog in that photo. Should we be surprised? <laughs> Are we really surprised? Yeah, I remember the photo. It was very posed. Like, like was she a professional? You would think this is like a dog show person. Like, because it was like a very professional photo with a dog. It was like for like dog LinkedIn or something. I don't know. Yeah, I really was expecting when they're passing that photo around to say, "No, don't recognize her." The dog though <laughs> comes here all the time. Craps on my my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the expert on the stand says King, and by the way, we're only finding out now at the end that the dog has a name. Yeah. Did you have an opportunity to examine and observe the pit bull that attacked Sandra Meekin? Yes. The dog is an American pit bull. And it should surprise no one that there is no such thing. There's no such breed. I caught that one. No such breed. They call breed them American, American Terrier. Or they call because I have a joke about this. Yeah, would, it's American Staffordshire Bull Terrier. It's an American yeah. Bull Terrier. A Staffordshire yeah. Terrier is actually a whole different breed. It's an okay. American Bull Terrier or just Pitbull. 
Or they call no, they call them now. They call them something else, like American. I think they just now like just Am- call them American Am- staff, I believe, like American staff or Amstaff. I think is the uh, different breed. It's American Bull Terrier. Is a yeah. Yeah. yeah, so because I had a, I did a dog sh- like it was, I did an animal rescue comedy show and they were kept referring to it, and I'm like that's just a I was like did you guys gentrify pit bulls like what is happening why are you calling them <laughs> I feel like the the pit bull advocacy organizations probably lost it over this episode because they're they're yep. not uniquely violent dogs like nope. I've seen correct like, it's just I've seen random stray dogs that just for whatever reason, get upset. And so it's just this whole thing where, yeah, like you could train like pretty much, I mean, a lot of dogs to become very, very aggressive. Right. And so they're making, they're, they're doing a lot of like real, like, I don't know if you use eugenics for like dogs, but like, they're being like, oh, it's because of this and this. And you're like, that's not like, there's like science behind that saying that that's bullshit. Not um, true. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and if we haven't already like explicitly said it, we should that, you know, a lot of people own bull terriers and that with like any dog with the right training and conditioning, they make wonderful pets. The, the issue has always been that the dog is particularly strong. And so for those dogs, it's documented that it's they get into an attack can be a lot worse than with other breeds. Actually, Kevin, studies show that the dog, the bite of the, of the pit bull, it's not true that they have more force in their bite than other dogs. That's breed discrimination. Oh. Uh, and ownership of pit bulls keeps people from being able to get housing. It keeps people from being able to have access to other services that people with other breeds of dogs um, can get. Mm -hmm. And there's like actual real thing called like breed discrimination that affects human beings who own these dogs that are scientifically shown to not be any more aggressive than any other breed of dog if bred and handled properly, just like any other breed of dog. The reason they're aggressive and they have like a stereotype being aggressive is because a lot of the ones that are also surrendered have been like abused. They've been bred. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. Also, I'm wondering if that fact about like the the force of their bite compared to like whatever like big cat they were talking about like a, a, a panther or something if that true because I find that very hard to believe. That's just a dog. Have <laughs> you ever like try? That's why they have those rope poles. You can like pick up a dog by the rope. Any dog, right? Yeah. So in cutthroat McCoy fashion, he says, "Well, I just happen to have your dog right here." Yes. Brings it out. Your Honor, Mr. McCoy, defendants claim the dog is gentle, Your Honor. We think the jury has a right to decide for itself. Bring the dog into the well. Care to touch your dog, Mrs. Quinn? Objection. By the way, you know they waxed the floors just so the dog could slide all over the goddamn place. It was place. amazing. It, again, that dog was a great dog actor. I, I, I've tried to find an IMDb for that dog. There was none. I was so disappointed. We think the dog got other roles? Yes! Yes! Was like an Air Bud? It's like Wishbone comes from actor. The dog who played Wishbone has like a lineage of actor dogs. Oh. I mean, it's probably if parents could have been in the biz. There's probably yeah. a reputable like pit bull breeder who just does it for these movies. You can tell like where the camera is, so you can't see so out of the frame. There's a guy just like, yeah, come here, buddy, come here, buddy, come here, buddy. Exactly. Here, buddy. exactly. <laughs> and, and then they just add a. <laughs> 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 well, I just imagine everything leading up to getting that dog in the courtroom, like. In in the universe of law and order, like first of all, you know, animal control is like you want us to do what with this dog that's trying to kill us <laughs> ten times, and then they're like, so you want us to get it to you and then take it out of the cage and let you, a regular dude who's just a lawyer, handle this dog that we can't even. Sure, man, totally. And then like the dog would stay quiet outside of the courtroom. That dog would like attack everyone in the hallway. <laughs> like it's just so ridiculous. Still, there's somebody like. 
I got to walk this fucking dog <laughs> for weeks until you get to cross-examination. Yes. I got to feed it. It's had the taste of blood. Yep. You know, it's like, oh, what a pain in the ass. But there is like disclosure, right? So like <laughs> they should not have been surprised. Honor, exhibit 14, King. <laughs> Nobody should have been surprised that this dog was going to be used as evidence in this trial. Nobody. <laughs> it's called disclosure, you dickhead. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the headlines. This episode is inspired by the 2001 death of Diane Whipple. The San Francisco woman was mauled to death in a hallway by her neighbor's two dogs. Robert Knoll and Marjorie Noller were defense attorneys and the owners of a 140 pound mastiff named Bane. The other was a 100 pound bitch named Hera. The lawyers got the dogs from a prison inmate. He was a member of the Aryan nation who'd been trying to start a dogfighting ring. The couple paid no mind to their neighbours' concerns about Bane and Hera's aggressive behaviour. One resident said Noel refused to even apologise after one of the dogs bit him. In January 2001, Noller took the dogs out while Whipple returned home with a bag of groceries. Bane attacked, biting her 80 times as she bled out on the floor. Authorities arrested the couple and they were eventually convicted of involuntary manslaughter. The jury found the two failed to take precautions, but whether they actually taught the dogs to fight was unclear. Robert Knoll served his two years and died in obscurity in 2018. After years of losing appeals, Marjorie Knoller began her 15 years to life sentence in 2008. So the whole thing about running a dog fighting ring from in prison with the help of your lawyers that uh tracks with the real story wow there were many appeals and things were overturned uh the legal hurdle is that you're asking for a murder conviction for an unintended dog attack it's it's different if you like you sick a dog on somebody right right but for a dog who gets away it's kind of acting on his own what kind of liability ought there be for an owner well i think that if you're not taking precautions with a dog and there's been like a history of attacks. It's pretty clear there that there's there's some manslaughter. I mean, obviously, it's not murder. You're not sticking them on them. But that's definitely manslaughter. Like other people, it's been aggressive over and over again. And people have tried to like it's bitten someone before. I mean, this one seems pretty cut and dry as opposed to ones where like the dog had not done anything before. And a kid like does something that like provokes the dog and the dog 
reacts like a dog would react. Those are like the ones where I'm yeah. like, eh, I mean, I yeah. don't know. Like, it's not great. Your kid was doing that, but your kid shouldn't have been doing that. And like, that's how dogs are. And your do- your kid went somewhere it shouldn't have been. But as opposed to this one where it's like, yeah, it's cut and dry. Their fault. It's like pretty standard. Here's how I look at the manslaughter thing. If I had a car that I knew the brakes sometimes failed on mm-hmm. and I didn't fix them and I had a neighbor say, hey, you know, your brakes sometimes don't work and you hit me the other day and I broke my leg. Please fix your brakes because you could kill somebody. And I didn't fix my brakes. And then two weeks later, I tried to stop and I killed somebody. I would be responsible for that death. Right. You would. So this this is not this is like that. Right. This yeah. is just like that. This lady was just coming home with her groceries. I, too, have issues when when people put down dogs for attacking when it is the attackees response, like faults in some way. Because dogs they are animals. Dog. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, and even like some people do have aggressive dogs and they are responsible owners who do the right thing and try to handle them and try to and do all this right stuff. And they do you know have them on leashes and stuff. And some people are dicks to dogs. And uh, that's different. This is not that. This is terrible. They were first charged with second degree murder, and they were also charged with keeping a mischievous dog. <laughs> mischievous dog? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Astro is a mischievous dog. How do you, what does that entail? No pun intended. To be a, a mischievous dog? I mean, I would say I, our dog Briscoe is a mischievous dog. Yeah. Sometimes he pretends he has to go out when he doesn't. Yeah. Clifford, <laughs> the big red dog, is a mischievous dog. Yeah. This 140 pound man eater. Like Heathcliff is a mischievous cat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like all it's cats like calling, are mischievous. It's like calling Ted Bundy a spirited boy. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, this rascal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the prison inmate. Uh, they received Bane from was uh, white supremacist Paul Schneider. His nickname uh, is Cornfed. Oh my God! Uh, yeah, a few days before the mauling, Noller and Noel adopted Paul Cornfed Schneider as their son mm. at age thirty-eight. Say no more. Say no more. Um, I mean that <sighs> it makes all the sense now. That it's all coming together. <laughs> Why did they? Ad- like formally adopt him legally. So they adopted, are also yeah. white supremacists, is what I is what I'm, is what I'm picking up here. I think yeah that if you're taking your pick of the litter and you take him, yeah, you're uh, you're yeah. down. So that. this goes from being a potential kindly the kind of lawyer who will defend anybody because that's their job and maybe they're animal lovers and they're like it's not this dog's fault that it belonged to white supremacists so we we kindly liberal lawyers are going to take in this dog it went that that went completely different to me when it turns out that they adopted the white supremacist yeah i feel like there's some other stuff with their cases that i would like to know more about <laughs> exactly yeah. I think they, they run a very shady enterprise beyond this but when I think about this, they literally adopted the dog before they adopted <laughs> the man. Yeah. I adopted your dog. Imagine how hateful that dog must have been. Oh, jeez. You're never going to believe who the prosecutor in this case was. Uh-oh. Kimberly Guilfoyle. Oh. <laughs> what? Don Jr.'s girlfriend. Yeah. My friend. Yeah, uh, oh, my God. My friend actually has slept. Okay, this sounds ridiculous, but like has actually owned the bed that like Kimberly Guilfoyle and Gavin Newsom like had because like their dad like something something with like a furniture company like got that bed back or something and like my friend got it so they repossessed their bed well they like like, somehow got it they like shared a bed or like not like you know like that but like 
my friend for a while owned that bed. It's like her bed. <laughs> so well, Kimberly Yofoil, so like she was canned from Fox and had they had to settle like a million dollar sexual harassment suit on her behalf because she was she was a sexual harasser yeah <laughs> she was asking her assistant to like massage her bare thighs yep. and yeah uh so the bed was probably did it come with the stains or not <laughs> no it was just the frame like the mattress was fresh and clean but oh yeah. good so after the trial, it was reported that the Aryan Nation put out a hit on Guilfoyle. Mm. It's ironic because today the Aryan Nation can't get enough of her. That's true. <laughs> that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Brandy Brown. Brandy, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter at it's the Brandy I T S the Brandy with an I. I'm kind of locked right now just because I need some quiet time, but maybe I'll unlock. You can be there. <laughs> um, and then I also um, am on an episode of an upcoming season. I've done some past seasons of this podcast it's for kids you can listen with your kids it's called smash boom best um it's on from brains on in minnesota public radio it's a debate show um this current season season four coming up i am debating i am team seahorses versus hummingbirds um last season (laughs) i did penguins versus pandas i was team penguins and there were some other previous seasons where i was on it so you can just search for my name on the smash boom best website and find my episodes and maybe next season you can do Pitbulls versus Jack Russell Terriers. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? I am online on both Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoie. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You also can tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.